They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. Put my hands up. up, they're playing my song. The butterflies fly away. away. I'm not in my head like, yeah. I'm moving my hips like, yeah. Shakira got my hands up, up. they're playing my song. song. I know I'm gonna be okay. Yeah, it's a party in the USA. Yeah, it's a party in the USA. Okay. Uh huh, it's a party. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts at Rock. It is the podcast that is about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice, and we try and do that in about a half an hour. Mm-hmm. What's up, buddy? How Dude, you been? It's been a big week this week. Yeah? Back Why is that? from San Diego. Y'all um, got a chance to go hang out with our boys at Original Grain. Love those guys. You know my watch fetish that I have. You do. I actually see we're both wearing Original Grain watches today. Heck I love yeah, it. brother. What, what is that? That's this the new is my new Blackwood Solid Black Chrono, the Altera Chrono. This thing is badass, man. I love it. I love it. It's, I love it. It's fantastic. So I, I love repping, you know, guys who are just great guys that that uh, have made it and, and are continuing to just kill it. And so it's good to see the good guys win every now and then. Yeah. It yeah. Awesome. We support it. And we got a chance to hang out at uh, an Orlando Magic game, hanging out with some friends <laughs> yeah, of ours. Baby. And uh, we, we were doing box seats. It's the only way to, it's the only way to fly, it my is, friend. Isn't it? Isn't it? You it don't want to sit with the it. commoners. <laughs> I know. I'm never going to sit on the in, in a regular seat ever again. <laughs> ever. Ever. I need the plush seats. And so, uh, yeah, and we have a friend who uh, just came out with a book, you know, uh, Ron Tite. Yeah. What's the name of his new book? Uh, it's Think, Do, Say. Yeah. Um, again, through uh, our friends at Page Two as well, uh, that just did an amazing job. Ron did an incredible job on this book. And um, I just bought my, I'm, I'm literally waiting on Amazon. It's been like a week. It still has not arrived yet. So it must be selling really well since um, my Prime membership is doing me no good at the moment. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's been a crazy week, man. A good week. Yeah, it has, man. But it's good to see you. It's been uh, two weeks, actually, since we've been together to actually do the show. Yeah, back in uh, in Tinfoil Studios here <laughs> exactly. at Casa de Jim. We make it happen. You know. Um, listen, you know, we are super excited to be back uh, with you guys you know that everything we do here uh, helps support Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding treatment options for kids who've run out of options. So when you get a second, please go check them out at cannonballkidscancer.org. Yeah, they're fantastic. Listen, we know how busy you are, and uh, life's coming at you at about 100 miles an hour, and grabbing those nuggets of wisdom, any bit of leadership that you can grab to amp up your life, they are definitely hard to come by, which is why it doesn't really matter what you're doing right now. You could be, let's say, driving your golf cart to the farmer's market Mm -mm. or cooking a chipino. (laughs) <laughs> or maybe you're watching your spouse drool while they sleep. You know, it doesn't really Gross. matter. We're just about giving you the 30 minutes that you've been looking forward to, and we're going to do it right now. Brant, let's rock, man. Let's rock, baby. Our special guest today is Colonel Larry Broadwell, who is the executive officer to the chief of staff of the Air Force. 
And I am just absolutely giddy that we got a chance to get him on the podcast. I met Larry uh, when I was speaking at Joint Base Andrews to this year's group of newly promoted Brigadier Generals. And uh, Larry is one of those, and he was kind enough to volunteer to share some of the leadership wisdom that we're always searching for today. So first off, Colonel, thank you so much, and welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Hey, thanks. Yeah, we're, we're excited, and, and I know some people are going to want to see his bio, and we'll put the full biography in the show notes. But I got to tell you, Brant, his service assignments and all of his awards and decorations, you know, if you get a chance to go through and look at, you'll be extremely impressed. There are a lot of them, I will tell you that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we'll have that in the show notes. But just to give you a little bit of a snapshot, first off, he's a he's a career military man. You know, he's been in the Air Force since 1996. Um, He's a command pilot and has something like twenty two hundred, probably more than that now by, by this point, flight hours. Um, including over 25 combat tours, which he did in uh, in Desert Fox and Iraqi Freedom. He's flown many well-known USAF aircraft, and that includes the, the big, huge C-130s, which we love, and the F-22s. And previously, he was the commander of the 9th Reconnaissance Wing, which was at uh, Beale Air Force Base. But today, here's the cool thing, too. Today, he works at the Pentagon. And he works in a, in a role where he was the executive officer to the chief of staff to the Air Force. So officially, uh, Larry Broadwell's a colonel, but he's been promoted. And, uh, you know, he's been selected to, to ultimately take on that mantle. He still has to be confirmed by the Senate. But we're just so honored to have somebody who represents the country with us on Thoughts at Rock. So thanks a bunch, buddy. Cool. Well, thanks for, for having me on the show, Jim. And, and just for, for clarity's sake, do you know what they call a, a Brigadier General Select? No, Brigadier yeah, General Select. Uh, yeah, that's no, what I would have guessed. In, in, the, in the United States Air Force, they call him Colonel. They call him Colonel. Uh, oh, great! Thanks, <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> so, what does that mean? Like you, you, you haven't you've been anointed, but you still have some things you have to do before you get the next level, right? Sure. So I just need. To, so we're gonna we're gonna wait some more time, and you know the the services are actually um, they're capped at the number of general officers that they can have. Yeah. And so we've gone through the process, and the Senate has confirmed me and. 44 of my my best friends wow. that you got to meet just a couple months ago but then uh but we you know we, we have to wait until um uh those that are currently serving in that capacity make decisions to uh to can you know to serve in another capacity outside of the air force or or find something else that they want to do with their lives before um before we have the opportunity to promote so it's okay I, I love what i'm doing i love working for the chief and i'm in no rush well, Colonel, we are, are are happy that the Air Force didn't have to get involved in the storming of Area 51 uh, <laughs> a few weeks ago. Uh, we appreciate that it didn't have to escalate to that level. So we're celebrating that here at Thoughts yes. That Rock. <laughs> we are. We are. Well, it, made, it made for some pretty, uh, pretty light moments in the most recent staff meetings with the chief, you know, getting updates on the crowd that's going to storm Area 51. Yes. And, 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 as, it, and as, it, as it turned out, Nobody stormed Area 51. That's yes. right. All, yes. all, all, all of our secrets are safe. That's right. right. They just uh, ate at the at the local sandwich shop just outside <laughs> of boom to the oh, industry right. around Area 51. Exactly. So we are happy. Yeah. Yes. They just right. moved all the trade seekers to Area 42. <laughs> that's so right. fine. That's, that's right. fine. We don't Completely need to Completely different place. So, Colonel, we're, we're, um, we're, we love to do things maybe just a little bit different than most podcasts. Um, you know, we, we don't do the traditional interview style. We love to jump right into our piece of advice, and that's kind of what our fans are always looking for is that, sure. that leadership nugget. So we're going to leave the floor open to you. What is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. 
Yeah, so I, you know, I've I've had the the blessing to be able to command uh, three different times a squadron, a group, and a wing, and it was, uh, you know, what I what I've come to realize is that the, those that are most successful at command or leading at a high level uh, are those that focus and spend a lot of time on um, the purpose and the people uh, in your organization rather than spending a whole bunch of time on objectives and outputs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think that uh, it's easy uh, because objectives and outputs are measurable. It's something you can, uh, you can look at and you can show other people. You can show your boss. You can talk to your subordinates about it. But really, you're only going to get marginal gains uh, when you're trying to lead at a very high level if you're focused on objectives and outputs. And uh, conversely, if, it's, if, you are, if you are focused, um, if you spend a lot of time and you commit yourself to defining your purpose and to really clarifying and communicating that purpose with the organization and you commit to your people both in their development um, and in and, 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 and their commitment and um, – you know, they're, um, the, re- the resources that they require as well as what they're doing for the organization, what you're going to do is you're going to change the culture yep. of the organization. And, and in, the, in the long term, you know, when you step away from that role as a, as a strategic leader or a, an impactful leader, if you get the culture right, every, man, everything else is just going to work. Yep. Uh, and, I, and I tell you, the organizations that I've been in, either leading or been a, um, been a member of, uh, those organization uh, organizations uh, that had great culture, um, or are organizations that had very few problems, yeah, you know, and, and and that really thrive, thrive in the good times, and they can even thrive or navigate some of the most rocky times. And so, so it's just you know that's my nugget, that's my yeah. thought that, that that rocks is if you can do purpose, define it and communicate it, and you invest in your people, and you understand what they need and what motivates them. You're going to get the culture right, and if you get that right, man, everything else seems to fall into place. You got it, and, and I'll tell you right now, you're you are speaking our language. You know, you've already said the word purpose, which is Brant's world, and culture, which mm-hmm. is my world, and really, we we sort of do a lot of a, a tag team stuff, but. You know, you you absolutely got it right. I I define, as you know, from the time that we spent together, I define organizational culture as really just a collection of people. And these people have some pretty unique behaviors. And some of them are awesome. And some of them not so much, you know. And (laughs) whatever is is made up inside of that person. And then you get a group of those people together. And hopefully they've got some shared values and experiences and a mindset as to what they're working on. It definitely, to your point, it isn't just – the objectives and the outputs. It's not the the tactical things. It's not the logo and the color and the building and the uniform and the processes and the tools. It's yeah. always going to be the humans. And so, yeah. you know, I talk about it a lot. I hang my hat on it. Um, you know, th- th- I wrote an entire book about upon that. And then you later on, you said, you know, focus on purpose and people. And now, you know, I throw it over to Brant because, Brant, this is your world. You talk about this yeah. almost every session you're in front of people, right? Yeah, this is my uh, – the literal title of my session is Unbreakable Leadership, Engaging the Power of Purpose. And so, you know, for me, you know, purpose is all, – all the latest studies show that the most powerful way to engage your people is through purpose. But the disconnect that I have found over the last few years – is that uh, people think that purpose is something you find, mm-hmm. um, and it's not. It's something you choose, and we choose our purpose based on defining those 
core values, those non-negotiables, yeah. those things that we cannot be moved from. You're not going to convince me no matter how compelling your argument is. These are the things that I hold closest to my heart. And when yeah. we, when we find those values and we activate them, it's in the activation of those values that we can choose our purpose. So for someone like me, you know, my core values, uh, Colonel are, are, uh, creativity, hope, impact, empathy, family, and authenticity. And so I, Basically, every decision I make in my life gets filtered through those six things. And if uh, the decisions I make honor those things, then then fantastic. Uh, uh, if uh, I'll say yes every single time if the opportunity is to fulfill some of those things. If, uh, if I can't and it goes against those things, then the answer is no. And I don't feel bad or guilty about saying no because it, it doesn't align with what matters most to me. But my purpose... Uh, it's so interesting because it's to creatively impact people's lives by authentically providing hope. That's my purpose. That's what gets me up every single day. Um, but if you, if you look at that purpose, you'll see four of my six values activated in that sentence. And, and it's so important uh, if we want to stay committed to the purpose itself. And people, I, I get all the time, uh, you know, I ask people, why is, why is purpose so hard to find? And um, knowing that the, that the payoff is we don't find it, we choose it. But the answer Ooh. that I get to that question, Colonel, is is our purpose changes. And that's just not true. Yeah. Uh, our values rarely change. Our purpose yeah. rarely changes. But our mission changes all the time. Mm -hmm. And they you confuse bet. mission with purpose. And so I would imagine with what you do in your history of the military – this is such an important thing for people to learn that they engage with their purpose to be able to stay committed to the mission yeah. at hand. Yeah, you bet. So we, we you know, uh, the, the three, four, you know, the, the core principles of the United States Air Force are all about integrity, service, and excellence. And, and those, are, those are not unique uh, to each individual uh, mission that the, you know, the, the pockets of mission that, uh, that the Air Force has. You know, I might... My, my command tours are very different. The missions that I was given are very different, but those core principles uh, are common. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, as, as you were, Brent, as you were walking through uh, your purpose and, 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 and you're riffing on, hey, how did, hey you choose your purpose. Yeah. And I, I get that. Yeah, I, I understand that individuals need, need to define their purpose. Uh, in addition to that, I think uh, organizations have a unique, uh, they have the ability to refine or to build upon uh, the, the, uh, the individual culture or the, or the culture that the, the purpose rather that the individuals bring into the organization. Yes. And uh, I, I, you know, I see that when I, when I, as a, as a leader in an organization that, uh, and it's, and it's, it's a, it's a source of our strength. You know, mm -hmm. if, if I have an organization with you know, the, the, the wing that I was leading uh, before I, came into this job had 6,500 people in it. And it, you can imagine that 6,500 individual sets of culture mm -hmm. or sets of purpose, or, mm -hmm. it can, can kind of lead you oh, astray. Yeah. That's right. Uh, but you know what? what you, I shouldn't see that as a burden. I see it as a strength because we, you know, the inner diverse, inner diversity is, is a, is a tremendous amount of strength. Uh, however, you know, you do have to kind of look into the organization and, and help define, help them, help the organization define, what your purpose, what your purpose is. Otherwise uh, it would be a struggle to, yeah. uh, to, to rally or, to, or to, for someone to step in and say, Hey, for your organization, what does it mean uh, to be a fill in the blank? Yeah. What does it mean to be an airman? What does it mean to be, um, 
an entrepreneur? What does it mean to be, you know, uh, you know, someone, a member of a different service or, or corporate America? You know, what does it mean to be fill in the blank company? Well, what I, what I hope uh, as a leader is that people will be able to answer you, answer you with something uh, that's pretty short and concise and meaningful, you know, integrity, service, excellent or excellence, or to be able to walk through, uh, what drives uh, you know the purpose that you've chosen, Brent? Yeah, it, I couldn't agree with you more. I think first of all, the sign of of a true leader is someone who actually helps those around them define those things so that they can choose their purpose. And you know, it, what's so amazing to me is you know, let's say in your last position, you're, you're leading 6,500 people, all of them with a unique purpose, with unique values. Um, and all they're trying to do all day, every day is align what's most important to them to what's most yeah. important to you, uh, to the organization. And so it's in the alignment of those two things that people feel like they are part of something bigger than themselves, right? It is, it is, <laughs> it's Maslow. So it is that yeah. feeling that drives it. And so the uniqueness that, that diversity, even diversity of thought of how they can use their values to fulfill the the purpose of the organization, this integrity, service, and excellence of the Air Force. It's, you know, when you define the things, you say, okay, if creativity is one of my values, how can I use creativity to really bring forth integrity in the Air Force? How can I use it to to embrace service? And so every person has a unique purpose that's going to fulfill it in a different way. And that's where that strength lies that you talked about. Dude, you bet. And they have to feel, you know, they have to feel safe to be able to step out and go, you know what, something that I, that I value, my, my personal purpose is creativity. Yep. And I feel safe in this organization to step out and say, hey, this is how I plan to apply that with, with the overall, you know, with the organ, organization's overall uh, you know, kind of broader or more general or more um, or bigger purpose. You know, I, I really love the, the, what you said a minute ago. You said, hey, I, I want to be a part of something uh, that's bigger. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I, when, when we start having those kind of conversations in an organization or I start to see pockets of that in an organization, I know we're winning. Yeah. You know, I would, when I would spend time with airmen and, and say, Hey, what, you know, why are you here? What, why do you want to be part of this, this organization, uh, either an airman in the United States Air Force, or you want to be in this particular squad or this particular wing. And when they, when we, when you have a relationship with them and you've been communicating with them and you've expressed to them, hey, this is what you're, hey, when you put that uniform on, this is what it's all about. And they start to repeat back to you, hey, sir, this is what motivates me. I, what motivates me is that I came from, you know, you picked a town and I, my, my sights were set on, on the horizon and I thought X, Y, and Z was what I was going to aspire to be. Mm-hmm. And you know what, being in this organization, I, I'm looking way higher. Yeah, I, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the stars and you know what, I can be, I can be, and therefore, this organization can be so much better. Um, and it's, I want to be part of something that's bigger than myself. And, well, you know, when you have those kind of conversations, you know you're doing it right. You know, when, when uh, I think Brant and I both, the majority of the time, whenever we're facilitating, we love to use a lot of music overlay, a lot of orientation. And, of course, you saw me do some band and brand analogies because <laughs> I think, you know, companies and teams – are a lot like a rock and roll band. And so in your world, it would be the same thing. As we talk about these companies, perhaps, that choose and focus on their purpose, the ones you probably think about, the Chick-fil-A, Geek Squad, Zappos, Lego, and, and, and of course, you match it up to something like the Air Force. 
And you go, those that are crystal clear as to what the purpose is and what they're supposed to be focusing on, they tend to be the ones that are a little bit more harmonious. The, the morale's higher. Their turnover is lower. They tend to have guaranteed, practically guaranteed results, whatever those results are. I mean, you're dealing sometimes with protecting the country and life and death situations. But I think you could take any organization, any brand, any band and put that out there and say, as long as you're focused on, you know, have your eye on the prize of what your purpose is and live yeah. out those values, you're going to be in a pretty good place. And it, yeah. it reminds me of uh, Seth Godin, who, you know, th th this guy has so many great quotes, but he had this one that I actually wrote about in my book, Culture That Rocks. And he says, powerful organizations and great brands got there by aligning with and accelerating tectonic cultural shifts not by tweaking sales one at a time. So <laughs> it goes right back to your thought, right? You're you're yeah. like the new Seth Godin. You know, he's saying the same thing. He's saying rather than than just objectives and outputs, and there's something to be said about that, if you yeah. focus on purpose and people, and I want to put this back in your plate too, because I assume this is probably not easy for some people in the military, I would guess, right? To start talking about purpose and people gets a little bit fuzzy when the yeah. military in general historically, yeah. and you can correct me if I'm wrong, very tactical, very practical, very focused on the objectives. Am I off base on that? No, I think, you know, and so let me build upon it a little bit. You know, yeah. what makes it really strong, what makes what we're talking about strong is when you figured out how to make a, uh, create an environment where you can have a, um, you, you, you form strong, personal, and intimate connections with people, between people and purpose. Yeah. And that's in it. You're right. It's a little bit fuzzy. And you know what? All commanders and all military leaders shouldn't be doing this. And I'll give you an example. <laughs> yeah, I was, when I was, well, it's, and it's fair. When I was a, uh, when I was a, a mid-tier commander, it's called an operations group commander. You know, I, when I reflect upon my days as an operations group commander, I'm a colonel commander. Uh, I had a wing commander who was my boss, and I had a squadron commander who squadron commanders who were working for me. Um, my my role really wasn't culture and people. Now I did some of it, uh, but really I was a manager. Hmm. My job was to focus on outputs. Yeah, and that's okay. Yep. And it's as long as you can figure that out. They go, hey, you know what? I can do a little bit of this purpose and people thing. Work on culture. That's I got to kind of be a steward of that. Let the squadron commanders and the wing commander do it. But someone around this organization needs to do it. Outputs and objectives. Okay, got it. So you you have to do a little bit of that, but uh, but. But as soon as I could step out of that role, when I became a wing commander, I did. Because mm -hmm. I knew that what's more important, what's more valuable, what really leaves these uh, indelible impacts, these fingerprints on the organization for for years and years to come, it's all about purpose and people. Yeah. If, you get that, if you get that right, you're going to hand over to your successor, and they'll hand over to their successor, uh, an organization that is thriving. Yeah. Um, and, and, it's, and it's, it is a little bit squishy, and it takes a lot of it takes a lot of uh, time commitment to well, be I, able to do that. And I think this is part of uh, why I was flabbergasted to get the call because, I, you know, there's probably something inside my head going, they're bringing in a third party outside person to talk about culture, you know, not just at the level, but just in military in general. And it just shows that I think times are changing a, a, a lot more. And, you know, it has been happening like that in business for a while, but I'm, I'm so thrilled that somebody recognized how important it is. And it goes right back to your thought that if you focus on that, 
you know, not that everything's going to be completely perfect, but it certainly isn't going to be if you focus only on the outcome and the focus and the tools and the tactics. So Brian, I know that you, you also talk still more about this from a, from a broader perspective, right? Well, you know, I'll tell you that I'm reminded of, uh, as we were talking about sort of this being part of something bigger. Um, and I think that that the military is probably one of the greatest examples of, of truly embracing that thought um, that we have in this country mm-hmm. uh, and what it takes to serve and, and what they're willing to sacrifice to do so. And, and you know, a few weeks ago, uh, sort of on the, on the anniversary of September 11th, I'm reading this story, uh, Colonel, of Major Heather Penny. And, you know, she's one of the two pilots that gets called to take down United Airlines Flight 93 on September yeah. 11th and and yeah. there was really she's scrambling her she's a she's a rookie pilot and her commander is is basically just says let's go we've got to do this and they don't have time to check they don't have time to do anything so they just get up and and they're headed to try to know that this they might have to take down this plane and and they and she realizes while she's up there she's got no missiles so she's flying an F16 with no missiles and they have to take <laughs> down this plane and and is that true that's, it is absolutely true wow that's and crazy and so she sits there and and it hits her that they could try to aim their planes at this plane and eject but if they miss sure. it's going to be a problem so she realizes that this is going to be basically yeah. A, a kamikaze yeah. suicide mission hmm. and they said to her what what did you think when you realized that and her response is what blew me away colonel she said there are some things that are just more important hmm. and, <laughs> and that is exactly what we're talking about by by buying yeah. into this idea that you're bigger than something uh yeah, that just got chills yeah i love that yeah yeah so so you so she um so it is an honor of mine to serve and i hear stories like that um regularly and I, uh, this is why I, I'm, I'm committed. I'm committed to my brand, and um, and I, I'm I'm dedicated and honored to be able to, you know, line up shoulder to shoulder with people like that. So cool, so cool, amazing. Well, that's perfect because that that goes into uh, decision making, and that's that's the part of our thought that we want to share as well. So, Brant, why don't you share with the Colonel what is our thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock number two. So I'm I'm super excited this week because the th- our thought that rocks comes from me, uh, which makes me <laughs> which makes me really excited. Oh my! He loves when people quote oh, him back man. to him. Oh <laughs> man, this is a good day. So, uh, Colonel, our thought that rocks this week is this: a good decision is one that is born from our values, considers all the facts, and honors what we're feeling in the moment. Yeah. So you know. What I end up doing, uh, you know, so I'm out giving keynotes uh, every week and and asking leaders all over the world one question, which is, how do you know when you've made a good decision? And the the response from 99% of everyone is tied to an outcome of some way, shape, or form. Um, and as your thought uh, 
you know, sort of talked about as well, it's because objectives and outputs are measurable. Yeah. But when we look at the science, the behavioral science actually doesn't support that because yeah. outcomes are out of our control. So yeah. it's the quality, it's the deliberate intention that goes into making the decision that yeah. is where people should be looking at and promoting from, not based yeah. solely on an outcome, because I've made lots of stupid decisions <laughs> in my life with really great outcomes. That great outcomes. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Right. You're like, I nailed it. You're like, no, you didn't. It was a terrible decision. That's, you got lucky, bro. That's exactly right. And so for me, you know, this, this, I'm, I'm working on this new book and it really talks about this culture of winging it because that's ultimately what we're doing. When we don't define the things that matter most, we don't choose our purpose, then we're winging it. So those good outcomes yeah. only happen by accident or luck. And you and yeah. I both know that doesn't cut it on a daily basis. Yeah, you bet. So I, you know, it's, um, so when you were when you were walking through that uh, that logic and you said how, how do you know and it's and you were you were you were canvassing the some corporate uh, leaders or some uh, leaders uh, and they said yeah it's, you just measure it and I'm like yeah this, uh, no that's not true and then then you then you came around and said yeah that's not true and it's it's not it's particularly those that are the most difficult that's right. uh, particularly those that require you to be the most deliberate and careful you, you, the odds are. You're never going to be able to measure true, you know, the, the, the true result. You'll never measure it. Either it's going to take so long or it's too, it's too nebulous. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. It's really hard to measure. And so, I, you know, when you, when you were the second, you know, I'm sorry, but my mind was wandering as yeah. you were walking through. The, yeah. <laughs> the mine, second, mine, the second, mine does that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Brant talks. So. But the second thing that was going through my mind was, hey, you know what? We're, we're talking about your gut. Yeah. And what we, what, what I hope, uh, you know, as, um, you know, this, as, you, as you're getting placed, as we place people in these positions of responsibility and you ask them to make a decision, and, and when their gut starts talking to them, it's, you know, there's a lot to your gut. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's years and years of experience. It's your instincts. It's your values. Yep. It's, your, it's your personal and professional judgment. It's your emotional intelligence. It's, I mean, it's all those sorts of things that are getting wrapped up uh, in the decision-making. Yeah. And then when you make the decision... Um, you know, it's, you have to trust it. Yeah. In uh, the research, and what I find is that what I find is that um, if you've if you've if you've invested in the people for for years and years or decades, and you put them in a place to make a decision, yeah. Um, and and they need to trust their gut. Yes. And, and if they do, if they do that, I think that more often more often than not, if they're inclusive with their teammates and listen uh, carefully, and they deliberate carefully, uh, and then in the end, if they trust their gut, they're probably going to probably going to get it right mm-hmm. the vast majority of the time. Yeah. You know, when I was doing the research on this, it, it's, it was a really interesting find, you know, because on a couple of fronts, first of all, you know, you want, you want the decision to be born from those non-negotiables, right? So you're honoring those things that matter most to you. And on the, on the very back end, you got to honor your feelings because at the center of making a decision is this tug of war between values and feelings. And if you only honor the values and you ignore how you're feeling, you're never going to stay committed to the decision that's made. And if you only honor your feelings and ignore your values, then you can make some pretty, uh, emotional decisions that can sometimes turn around to bite you. Um, sure. but, and, and people are, and people are watching you, right? So well, that's, that's just it. But the part that really surprised me is the middle part here, which is consider all the facts. Now, you know, we, uh, my, my oldest son, Colonel, uh, when he was 14 was diagnosed with cancer and, uh, we were in a, this dire situation. Uh, we spent about a year in the hospital and, 
you know, we got called into the parents' lounge. He had a bone marrow transplant. He had a rare blood cancer. And uh, part of that situation was we had two things that were killing him with opposite treatments. And so the doctors sort of threw their hands up in the air and they said, listen, there's nothing else we can do. Go say your goodbyes. And so, you know, I, I, I did. I went back into the room. I sat on the edge of the bed and I, and I tried to find the words to say goodbye. And it, and it was just this awful, awful moment. Um, my, my son survived. Uh, and so, so please know that that's mm-hmm. the, the good news. Right. Yeah. But yeah. I made a horrible decision in that moment of saying goodbye because that wasn't aligned with anything that I found out later were really those core values that meant something to me. But even more than that, you know, sometimes the truth in the room is only that. It's only yeah. the truth in the room, but it's not <laughs> the actual truth. Amen. <laughs> and so you got to bring in more people. You got to expand that search to make sure that they're, you know, what they found was that there was an experimental treatment that um, yeah. we could have tried and we did try and it worked. And so the fact of the matter is they had no idea that it existed and it took going outside of the room to see yeah. the larger truth. And I know, I mean, I can't even imagine uh, in in the military, this has got to be something of why it's so important that you have all the cards on the table and why you have yeah. everything that you need to know. Because if the truth is not the actual truth, it leads to a whole yeah. bunch of problems. Yeah, good point. So, Brad, I am um, I am so thankful that uh, Brad that story turned out the way that it did. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and it's a it's a great illustration of um, of people who uh, you know a mentor of mine has has walked me through um, you know people who make decisions. Uh, absent, uh, um, uh, without considering time. Yeah. And what I mean by that is people, they want to make a decision, uh, just because they want to make a decision and they, and they, and they don't realize, in fact, you have, you have days or weeks to make this decision. Don't rush it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, particularly, particularly those decisions that are as characterized by my mentor, uh, decisions that are either a rotating door, i.e. I can make that decision. And if I look around and go, you know what, that was a terrible decision. I can, I can rotate myself back away from that decision compared to, or contrasted with one way door decisions Yeah, where it's once I make that decision, man, I, I cannot come back. Right. And so those are the, so the, the ones, the, the former decisions, so the rotating door decisions, those are ones where, you know, you, you can't, you can't, you need to be careful. Yep. But you know what? I can always come back from it. Yes. But the but, but the ones that you know when you once you step into the breach, there's no turning back. That's uh, right. You you've got to take take the time and like you say, consider all the facts. Yeah, it's you know uh, I, and, I I relate it to to you know the the uh, real estate app Zillow. Uh, yeah. That's that. Yes. Yeah, so so I relate it to this is that. If you're searching for a home on Zillow and you put in the area of which you want to live and you know this is the neighborhood really that we're looking at and you put in you know, the exact area that you're looking for and you hit search, there might be very few or no, or no results in the area of which you are saying, this is it, this tight little you know two neighborhoods is where we really want to live. But if you expand your search by a mile all yeah, of a sudden yeah, yeah. there's 10,000 homes for sale but you didn't know that because <laughs> your search was so narrow that yeah. you ignored the the whole truth which is you know what if you just expand it a little bit there's a lot more available and and I yeah. think a lot of times we get so focused that we ignore the larger truth you bet you bet it's it's part of being a it's part of being those twisted creatures called humans that's the <laughs> truth 
Well, I think about these two thoughts and I was just, you know, sort of connecting them at the end because, you know, you go all the way back to when you were saying you focus on purpose and people and that's, you know, the, a main focus. And now Brent, you're talking about your quote about these people who make these good decisions based off of everything, whether it's values and the facts and, and just making sure that you're, you're honoring the feeling at that moment. And, you know, I think leaders are the ones that that make purpose and people important. They will honor their values. They they are secure in where they're going to be on their purpose. And I think when you get to that point and you're so crystal clear as to where you want to spend your time, how much you want to focus on the overall purpose. And, and to your point, lately you've even been teaching more about, you know, scheduling that and yeah. putting it into your, your daily life. But even how you measure and reward, especially going back, Colonel, to what you were talking about with your people-oriented metrics. You know, it's the old adage of what gets measured gets done, right? And so I I think about this this concept that all things are created twice, you know, first mentally and then physically. It might be, you know, a split second to go left instead of right. Or if you're going to, let's say, go build a house, you know, it takes months and you've got a blueprint. But there's always this space that exists between stimulus and response. And I think these great leaders, if they really are brand, like you said, securing your values, it's easy and quick to then make those decisions. You don't have to sit there and mull it over. Yeah. You know, you get stimulus that happens to you and you go, here's the right decision. Yeah. And I'm pretty secure with that. Do you, do you agree with yeah. that, Larry? I do. You know, and it's, uh, you know, you use, uh, you know, stimulus. Uh, I use, I use gut. It's, yep. it's, I think we're I think we're saying the same thing. It is, thing. yeah, yep. absolutely. You know, and I and after if you've been uh, if you're in, so I won't I won't talk about me, but I'll talk about you know the development of subordinate leaders. And if, if you're confident in what you're doing to develop them, and then you trust and empower them and set them on a course, and you I'm not worried about them. You know, you their own cruise control out there making decisions on their own. And I think it's um, I think it's about that you know your commitment to the uh, to the development of those those people. And they understand their 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 personal values. They understand uh, that you've, you've trained and, and given them the tools that they need. And you're not, you know, you're not concerned about the decisions that they're making. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a leader's job to, so, so part of the research that, um, uh, that I found and, and I'm writing about is that this tug of war between values and feelings, you don't want either side to win. You actually, you need to keep a healthy tension on the rope in order for our thoughts and ideas to have something to walk back and forth on from what matters most to us, to our gut. And that's really what you were saying is that, you know, you got to trust your gut on one side. Those are those feelings and you want to honor what that, what that feels like in the moment, but you don't want to ignore the values that matter most to you as well. So you you have to keep that tension between the two in order to actually make a good decision and, and account for all those facts. But if you're pulling too hard on your gut or you're pulling too hard on your values and you have some slack in that rope of the tug of war, um, then that leads to making bad decisions. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. You, yeah. bet. you know, I, I was, uh, as we sort of wrap up here, it, it's one of these moments where we've always let our guests sort of prop up where we can get their products, how they can get a hold of you. And I'm sitting here going, what are we supposed to do with Colonel Broadwell? <laughs> Like, do, do you want them to even talk to you? Do we send them somewhere? Do you just go to airforce.com? I don't send them to the recruiting office. Yeah, recruiting office. That would be all. How about this? You know, so this is completely unscripted, but let me, let me do it this way. Let me just say, um, uh, just on behalf of, of those that have the honor to serve this great nation, um, just for anybody that's listening, just say, thanks. Thanks for the support that you share. 
Um, and, and thanks for the opportunity to be able to serve. You know, I'm I'm a member of a of a very thankful um, organization, and and um, I don't I don't need to I don't need to prop up a product. I just want to say thanks for the thanks uh-huh. for the support that you show our service member. Man, well, we we cannot. I mean, absolutely cannot thank you enough. Um, again, Brant wasn't lying at the top of the show. It's uh, it was probably one of the greatest thrills of my professional career to to be there on the base and spend time with you know 165 of, of your peers and spouses, and we had people in civilians uh, civilian life. But certainly, you know, congratulations on what's about to happen with you. But we're just so completely honored, and and I hope I get a chance to meet you again and shake your hand for all the work that you do. You're you're fantastic. Yeah, that'd be cool. I really hope we get the opportunity. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. Well, listen, we hope to see you down the road, and uh, we really appreciate you spending some time on Thoughts at Rock. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Colonel. All right, bye-bye. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on!